You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter 23 this morning, Gospel Matthew chapter number 23. Praise the Lord. Good to be in the Lord's house tonight this morning, isn't it? No, no, it's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. I was glad when they said it to me. I wasn't sad. I wasn't mad. I was glad when they said it to me. Let's go in the house of the Lord. We're glad that you're here this morning. Matthew chapter number 23, and we're going to read in verse number 36. Matthew chapter 23, beginning verse 36. When you find it, if you're able to stand with us this morning, opportunity to stretch before the four-hour message, and um, not really. We say that when we pastored, and he might have some visitors in, and they'd say, hey, man, and our people said, don't encourage him, he can do it, you know, so anyway, Matthew chapter 23, verse number 36, verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. And ye would not. Now, Father, again, we thank you for the privilege we have to be gathered in your house. Thank you, dear God, for special the choir sang. What a blessing. Thank you for the songs in this place. God, we thank you for the congregational singing we've been able to do together, the fellowship we've enjoyed, the Sunday school hour, the early service this morning, just your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for the dear man of God that stands behind this pulpit week after week and his family. We pray continue to put your hand upon them, bless them. Thank you for the people that are faithful to this ministry here. God, we pray continue to bless them. Build a hedge about this place and we plead the blood of Christ for victory. We ask you bind the hand of the enemy. And God, I pray the greatest days of this ministry be yet to come. Father, we pray you, you allow us to be a help in some way this morning, please. Help us to say things that would make a difference. God, I pray this morning be a life-changing morning for somebody just a decision that's made, a commitment that's made. And fathers in here don't know your Savior, I pray this be the day you convict their heart and they turn from sin and trust your work on Calvary. Maybe somebody been saved, drifted from you. It'd be a good day to come back home. God, help us this morning. We'll certainly give you the praise for all that you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Jesus here is speaking. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse number 1, it says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude, and to his disciples. And so he's, he's speaking to his people. He's got a group of the Israel, of course, there together, and his disciples there, and he begins to speak to them. And he begins to look down and look at their lives and look at them and begins to speak a little bit about that. Verse 2, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Verse number 6, and love the uppermost rooms at feast in the chief seats in the synagogue. He talks about how man wants position, how, how much we want to lift self up, and how, you know, we really are kind of a self-centered people, and, and uh, a, a proudful people, and a self-centered people, and, and uh, by nature we're that way. I mean, we're born with our fists clenched. One of the first words we learned is mine, and, and uh, we just kind of, about self, just a lot of things about, about self, and and uh, verse number seven, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi, we, we love prestige, we, 
love position. We, we love preeminence and lifting ourselves up. And verse number 12, whosoever shall exalt himself. And I mean, that's us. We're just a, a, a selfish people. A lot of what we do is even for show. The Bible talks about verse number 5, all the works to do for to be seen of men. And a lot of things are, are pretense, a lot of things for show. Matter of fact, he went on to say when he gave the woes, you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within it's full of extortion and excess. And we look good on the outside, but he said we're a mess on the inside. And, and he said cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter that the outside may be clean also. It's not that the outside doesn't matter, but it ought to be we've cleaned up the outside because of what God has done on the inside. You can be separated from the world and not be separated under Christ. And we've got a whole generation that way. That's when we become critical and pharisaical and judgmental. But if you, you can't help when you separate into Christ but to separate from the world. But you do that without being critical. It's now a matter of, man, I wanna, I wanna, this is a good life. I want to get as many people over here as I possibly can. But he talks about the selfishness of man, and he gives several woes throughout this chapter. And then we get down to verse, uh, uh, verse 36, and he says, uh, all these things should come upon this generation. He says, they're coming a day of judgment. But there's coming a day of reckoning. By the way, every one of us are going to stand before God one day and give an account unto him. And, uh, and then he makes a statement, verse 37, and I, I can almost picture him here. He is talking to his people. I mean, he, he loves them. He loves us. And, and uh, he talks about where they are and how distanced their heart's out and how much they do for pretense and for show, but the heart's not being right. And uh, he said, there's, there's coming a day we're going to stand before God. And then in verse 37, I can almost see him as he stands and he says, oh, Jerusalem. Then he says it again, Jerusalem. So I almost picture a pause between the two. I can almost hear him say, oh, Jerusalem. And then maybe his lip begins to quiver a bit and tears begin to come down his cheek. I think he begins to weep at the position that they're in. It wouldn't be the first time he wept over the city. Luke 19, 41 says, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. I mean, he just looks and sees and he begins to weep as his heart is broke. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he talked of how they killed the prophets. I mean, the, the men that, that he sent to them to, to preach to them about, about him and, and, and stonest them that are sent to thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers their children under her wings, and ye would not. He makes a statement, how often, this is how many times I, I would have done this, how, long, how often I yearn for this. And he makes a comparison here in, in a relationship of, of a hen and her chicks. That's kind of a strange thing just to kind of pull out and put as a comparison, but over in Israel, the, the chickens do kind of run wild. They, they do now, and, and I'm kind of convinced they did even in the days of Christ. I know, I know the place is scattered and been run built, and it's just a miracle country over there. It's, it's one-seventh the size of Arkansas. Just let you know how small it is. Arkansas is the smallest state west of the Mississippi. Israel is one-seventh the size of Arkansas, yet there's not a country in the world that can touch her. Just an amazing nation. But I'm convinced even the days of Jesus, if the chickens run wild, he even told Peter before the, the cock crows twice, you'll deny that you knew me thrice. And, and so even in those days, no doubt, ever often they heard the roosters are crowing and we were there every so often you'd hear them crowing and you'd see the chickens. And I can, I can see him talk as he's talking to the crowd and his heart is broken because of the condition of their hearts. And 
I don't know, maybe off to the side, he, he saw a hen and begins to call and her chicks come running and gathered under its wings. And as he stands, oh, Jerusalem begins to weep. Jerusalem, you know, how often I'd have done just as this hen does. And we look at this and it's almost like God is comparing the relationship of the hens to the chicks to the relationship he'd like to have with us. And his heart is broken. And I, I, I want to preach on the subject this morning, if God allow, God is jealous of the hen. It's an amazing thing that he would see the relationship a hen has with his chicks, and he says, that's what I wanted with us. Obviously doesn't have, that's what I want. How many times, how often I, I, I would have loved this? And I'm not talking about God being jealous in a wrong sense. The Bible does say our God is a jealous God. He loves us like nobody's ever loved us and all he wants is for us to love him in return. Is that really asking too much? I mean, after everything he's done for us, is it asking too much that we love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and, and, and all our strength? But he looks at the hen and it's like his, his heart is broken and, and, and he's jealous. And I begin to think, I don't want God to look at a hen and, and, and be jealous over, over the relationship the hen has with his chicks and yet feel like we're missing out on something. I don't want that in my spiritual life. I don't want my wife in, in our relationship with each other to ever look at another married couple and, and feel jealous or feel like, I, I wish we had that. In fact, I, I say often, I, if you hear me preach very much, you'll hear this statement. I say it often, sometimes just to remind myself, but that young lady's got one life to live on this earth. One life. And she chose to spend it with me. If we ever get old, who laughed? Do you exercise church discipline around here? Can we get that started a little bit? <laughs> I always said when we get old and we get wheelchairs, mine's going to be motorized so I can still catch her. Run into her, knock her down, and then we'll push that button. Help, I fall and I can't get up. You know, but, and I said, wait a minute. Mama's on the floor. I'm gonna, just, just give me about five minutes. I'm going to roll over there and give Mama some sugar before you get here. You know, then come get it. At the end of our life, she got one life to live, chose to spend it with me. My desire is at the end of our life, she can look at me and say, that was a good choice. I don't want in our relationship for her to be jealous of any other's relationship. I don't want the relationship with my children. God's blessed us with six children and I always say we've got five wonderful children and that other one. And they all argue over who the other one is. God's blessed us with 25 grandchildren. We've got three boys and three girls. Our first 18 grandchildren were nine boys and nine girls. And somebody said that's like a Baptist preacher. Just won't take a stand either way. And, but uh, now the girls have kind of overrun the boys. Our three boys are all preachers and Got a son-in-law that's a preacher, and we told him you don't have to be a preacher, and you don't have to marry preachers, but we do want you to love him, and we want you to be faithful in church. We want you to love your church. We want you to love your pastor and be a blessing to him and his wife and live for God. You don't have to be preachers or married to preachers, but we do want you to love God, love your church, love your pastor. And but but, but I see my grandchildren and are uh, my children, and I I don't want them to look at any other father and child relationship and and, and say, man, I'm jealous of that. I I wish we had that. I don't want my grandchildren to be jealous of any other grandparents and the relationship that they have. And, and, and my, our grandchildren, they, they call us Meemaw and Peepaw. And uh, we've got 25 grandchildren and now one great-grandchild. The rest of them are just average, one great. And uh, 
we got 25 grandchildren. I was with one of my granddaughters not long ago, and we, we got some ice cream. She wanted some ice cream. Went to McDonald's, got some ice cream, and they put it in a cup, in a, in a cone, and then turned it upside down in a cup, and I scraped it off and put it in front of her so it looked like she had a cup and a cone. So I took a picture, and, and I said, uh, can't decide if you want a cheeseburger Happy Meal or McNugget Happy Meal. No problem. Let's just get both. Can't decide if you want an ice cream cone or a cup of ice cream. No problem. Let's just get both. And, and I, I sent that to all of my children, and I put in there, I find I treat my grandchildren the exact same way I treated my children. And boy, the text messages started coming back. Whatever. I never got a Happy Meal until I was 23, and Grandma bought it for me. One of them said, ice cream? What's ice cream? <laughs> we're supposed to be Paul, Papa, Mama, but first grandchild, they actually name you. No matter what you want to be called, your first grandchild's going to name you. And uh, she couldn't say Papa, Mama. She said Mima and Peepa, so that's what we get. We do a Mima and Peepa camp every year. We've done it for 15 years now. They get T-shirts. We have a blast. All of them that are four years of age and potty trained come spend a week with us. And uh, I wear a T-shirt. It says Peepaw. My wife wears one. It says Meemaw. And I'm glad she was the firstborn because later there was one could not say that she called me Poopaw. <laughs> I'm glad she wasn't first. I'm not sure I'd wear a shirt that says Poopaw. And I promise you, my wife's not wearing one that says Moomaw. It just ain't happening. But I don't want my grandchildren to ever look at any other grandparents and, 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 and be jealous and say, man, I wish I had that with my grandparents. No, I don't want that. I don't want my wife to be jealous of other relationships, my children, my, my grandchildren, and I certainly don't want my Lord to be jealous. So look at a hen and then look at me and say, I, I wish I had what she's got. I began to think, what was it he saw on the stage? What, what was it that he longed for? I, I think he saw her communication. That is a hen gathers her children together. It's a hen that's doing the gathering. That means a hen calls and they respond. He looks at this and says the, the hen calls and the chicks come running. And he said, I, I wish I had that. We see within this their readiness to hear. You know, the chicks never get so far away from the hen that they can't hear when she calls. God has said, I wish we had that. I, I wish my children were ready to hear from me. I wish they'd never get so far away from me that they couldn't hear. I wish they wanted to hear. I mean, I mean, they were ready to hear. Their ears were always tuned in, never out of range. And, and when the hen called, nothing was more important. It didn't matter what they were doing. She was free to interrupt at any time. Didn't matter what they were doing. They would stop and tune in because the hen is speaking and they would listen. And he looks at his children and says, I, I wish I had that. I, I wish my people were that hungry to hear from me. He's given us a Bible that he might speak to us. Do you, do you realize this is not everything God knows? This is just everything I need to know to get by in life. If everything he did was pinned down in books, this world could not contain the books that would be written. That's not an understatement. But then to think we've got one book this size, everything in here must be of utmost importance, and he's given a Bible. Why? Because he wants to talk to us. He says, I wish my people were just ready to hear. If we, if we treated our wives like we treated our Bible, 
Oh, I left my Bible in the car. That's right, I'll get it in the morning. Oh, I left my wife in the car. I'll see her in the morning. Oh, I left my Bible at church. I'm coming back Wednesday. Where's my wife? Oh, she's at church. I'll see her Wednesday. Some of you might prefer that. I don't know. I just, someone said the other day, my wife gets mad. She doesn't talk to me. I said, you're lucky. My wife gets mad. She talks to me. <laughs> but there's a readiness to hear. How does he speak to us through the preaching of God's word? Oh, he sees us come to church. Outwardly, it's become a good habit. But inwardly, not really ready to hear. God, I want you to speak to me. Beyond anything the preacher might say, God, I want you to speak to me. How does he speak to us? We've got a Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. He wants to guide us, lead us. And so those chicks, I, I, I mean, they're just, they're just ready to hear. When the, when the hymn speaks, they're, they're tuned in. Now they're ready to hear, but there's a rejoicing at her call. She calls and they all start chirping. There's just a joy. She's speaking. And there's just a joy. I mean, she loves them. She gave them birth. She gave them life. And they love her. And she begins to speak. And there's, an, there's an excitement amongst them when she begins to speak. Wouldn't it be good if we got in the Word of God and He spoke to us? There'd just be an excitement in our soul. Wouldn't it be good if we come to the house of God, He speaks, and there's just an excitement? We've heard from God. It's a wonderful thing. Then He sees their response to the call. He speaks and she speaks and they come running. And He looks at that and He looks at His people and says, I wish we had that. I wish I could speak to you and you just come running. How many times he speaks to us, we just hang on to our pew. I remember when we first started preaching, preacher, one of the things seemed to be missing today was just conviction. When we first started preaching, we'd be halfway through a message and people start hitting the altar. Sometimes never get to even finish preaching. People just hit the altar and weeping. They, they just felt like when God spoke to their heart, they just had to come running. There was nothing more important. They wanted to get right when he spoke. And it's like he looks at the hen and the chicks come running. How often, how often would I, how long for this? And ye would not. We sure come running to him when we need something, though. The man in the tunes broke the chains and fetters and no man could tame him. And Mark chapter 5 verse 6 says, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran. He knew that he could fix what's going on. No doubt he just seen him calm the storm. And now he thought if he can calm that storm, certainly he can calm the storm in my life. And as soon as they hit shore, he comes running. The man that had the son that had a spirit, he said, my son has a spirit. Next verse says, whethersoever he, the spirit, taketh him. Oftentimes, throws him in the water and in, in the fire to destroy him. And he started off, the boy had the spirit, ended up the spirit had the boy. And sin is that way. It starts off, we have the sin, but it ends up the sin has us. 
and it consumes us and out to destroy us. And, and, and man, when we've got a need, we come running to him. We've got children away. We come running to him. He said, I wish when I wanted something, you come running to me. He's jealous of the communication. I'll tell you something else. He's jealous of the closeness. He said he gathers chicks under her wing, under wings. She stretches out her wings and they come running right into her. He said, I've stretched out my arms and ye would not. He sees the hen with her chicks and he says, I wanted that. That's what I long for with you. You know, when God created man and, and put him in the garden, he created man to fellowship with him. Satan come along, that fellowship is broken. And God so desires to fellowship with us that he sent his son to die on Calvary, shed his blood just so that fellowship could be restored. He gave us the Holy Spirit because he wants to fellowship with us. He gave us a Bible because he wants to fellowship with us. He established the church because he wants to fellowship with us. You realize the church, this is not man's idea, this is God's idea. Jesus established the church from his earthly ministry. And he didn't build the church because he needed it, he built it because we needed it. He's going to prepare a place for us. He's coming back to take us. He wants to spend forever with us. No, no, no. We were made to fellowship with him. And he sees the closeness that he has with her chicks. He said, this is what I wanted all along. I, I, I just want you to love me like I love you. I want to have a, I don't understand why God wants to be close to us. I don't understand that. Something else I don't understand. I don't understand why we don't want to be close to him. He's a great God. And he's in the secret place waiting for us to meet with him. He said, when you pray into your closet, shut the door. Pray to the Father, which is in secret. He's already there waiting on us and we don't show up. It should be the other way around. We should be somewhere waiting on God. That's how much I've, I've, I've wanted this closeness like he, he and has with her chicks. I, I, I don't want my Lord jealous. I don't want my wife jealous of any other relationship, my children, my grandchildren. I, I don't want my Lord to look at, any, look at a hen. It'd be good if he would just say, let's go fry that thing and eat it. But I don't want him to look at a hen and his chicks with a tear running down his eye. Oh, more. Maury, how often, how many times I'd love to walk with you like that. The chicks made a decision to be close. The hen calls it. They come running. Husband and wife driving down the road Husband behind the wheel, and the wife sitting next to him in the front seat. And she says, you know, honey, we don't sit as close as we used to. He says, I haven't moved. 
Did I say he hasn't moved? Throughout the Psalms, there's several Psalms, a prayer for revival, and they'll say, turn to us, O God. Turn to us, O God. Turn to us, O God. And the fourth time they finally got it, turn us, O God. God's already turned to us. There's a desire for them to be close. I mean, it, it wasn't merely something they chose to do, but they, this is a delight to them. They, they rejoice in this. I, I don't want to just endure my Christian life or just do this thing because it's just simply because it's, I always want to do right whether I feel like it or not, but, but, but I want there to be some joy in this thing. I don't want to endure my marriage. I want to enjoy my marriage. I, I'm rejoicing with the wife of my youth. And I don't want to just endure my Christian life. I want to, I want to enjoy the Christian life. Matter of fact, he makes a statement in, in, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. And the next verse talks how they're going in bondage. It wasn't that they did not serve him, but they did not serve him with joyfulness of, joyfulness of heart and gladness. My joy is a testimony to everyone else of how good God has been to me. This is a good life. And a lot of times people look at us and you know, I've heard people give their testimony. It's like they did all these things that God saved them and ruined everything. I'm telling you, I, I didn't give up anything when I got saved. I gained it all. This is a good life. And my joy is also a testimony to God of how thankful I am and grateful I am for the life he's given to me. There's a third thing he's jealous of. And that's the chickens himself. He's gathered thy children together even as a hen or chickens. In Luke's account, Luke 13, 34, her chickens is called her brood. It's taken from a word which means nestling. It means those being trained in the nest. Those that she's given birth to in the nest and she's training them, that's, that's this group it refers to. It's a good picture of the local church. He's given us life and now he puts us in a Local church, this is our training ground. This is where we find God's will and God's purpose for our life and we serve him through the local church. Thank God for the local church. This was, not, this was not man's idea, this was God's idea. One of our men one time was inviting somebody to come to church and they said, well, I'm just not big on organized religion. He said, oh, you'd love our church and you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> but he sees that they're together. When that hen calls them chicks, just it's like one big ball. Just they're together. There's a unity. There's a closeness. And he's saying, "That's what I wanted." You, you know, this church family ought to be a unique family. There's just a closeness. And, and they're not only together, but there's there's a tugging. They're they're pushing each other on the way, and they're pushing each other toward the hen. Not pushing each other, anybody away. From, no, no. They're pushing everybody toward the hen. And we ought to be that way. We ought to be pushing each other closer to Christ. 
The Bible talks about Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as a man of some is, but exhorting to one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're not just here to church uh, to, to worship, though we are here to worship. We're not just here to church for God to speak to our heart, though we are here for God to speak to our heart. We're also here to exhort one another, to encourage one another. There's a church family sitting around you that needs you to be an encouragement and a blessing to them. Somebody said, I worship God just as well in the wilderness Maybe you can. I doubt it. Maybe you can. But if let's say you could. If you could, you're not encouraging anybody else out there. And one of the reasons to come to the house of God, he, he said in Hebrews chapter 10, consider one another and provoke one another to love and to good works. He said, when you come to the house of God, think about somebody else. Who can I be an encouragement to today? You never know the burden that someone else is carrying sitting inside here. And we may look okay on the outside, but we're hurting on the inside. And Job said, my stroke is heavier than my groaning. Job said, there's more going on on the inside than I can even let know on the outside. You never know what somebody's going through sitting around you. So, oh dear God, who needs a kind word today? Oh dear God, who can I be a blessing to today? Who can I be an encouragement to today? <laughs> he said, you see them chicks, they're all telling you, they're pushing each other toward. He said, that's what I wanted. Not the fussing and fighting and divisions and arguing and jealousy and unforgiveness and bitterness. But to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Yeah. They're together, they're tugging. Then could I say this? They're touched. See what I mean? Each chick is, is touched by the other chicks. Each chick is touched by the hen. He said his desire would be that we might touch each other's life. We might all allow him to touch us. You might be here today just really needing something from him. And he stands with tears running... How often would I have? I'd love to. I want the relationship with my wife to be such that, that, that her statement is not, man, I wish we had, but her statement would be, I wish everybody could have what we got. And that's what I want with my relationship with my Lord. Jesus prays in John chapter 17. He talks about his relationship with the Father. And he says, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. He said, Father, I, I want the relationship with me and my people to be like, just like the relationship I have with you. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which I which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And I have declared to them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. How is your relationship with him today? No, you walk with him. Do 
oftentimes married couples are having struggles. And what what songs say? How my heart is prone to wander, prone to leave the Lord I love. How many times married couples kind of feel like they're drifting apart? They pulled out those wedding pictures and looked at them and just start crying. What they're saying is, I wish, I wish we still looked at each other like that. I wish we still. That's what he's saying. How often, over and over. Don't let it be said this morning as he's wanting better. Don't let it be said this morning, and ye would not. I'm glad the day he spoke to my heart, he wanted to save my soul, that I said yes. I'm glad when he convicted my heart on different things, I said yes. I'm glad when he asked me to preach and I scared to death and think that this has got to be a mistake. There's no way this can happen. I'm glad I said yes. Father, thank you for the morning you've given to us. Thank you for your Bible. What an amazing book. Oh, dear God, we can almost feel your heart as you say, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How oft would I? I don't know, maybe, maybe you saw him calling his chicks and you just saw that as something aside of you. Said that's that's what I want. That's what I long for. Oh dear God, help us to long to have that type of relationship with you. Bless your people this morning. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.